Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. On a fine, crisp morning last December, Sally Round went for a stroll with him around Red Bank, his home in central Otago, where grapes are grown for his label Two Paddocks. Mike Wing, his viticulturalist, was also there, checking on the canopy which was lush and full as the vineyard readied itself for summer. Sir Sam told Sally he'd just got back from Brisbane. It was sulky and tropical and <laughs> and now we're in this nice dry central tiger central tiger climb and I'm I'm really enjoying being back. I was doing my day job up there, you know, it was guns and getting shot and stuff like that, and now I'm back. Back among these peaceful vines, and I couldn't be happier. What a contrast! Indeed, yeah. What are you working on at the moment? Uh, it's a film called um, "Bring Him to Me," um, kind of gangster film, and um, I don't know it's just me, but I love playing bad guys. <laughs> That's, they're 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 really rewarding. Um, but yeah, here we are. I'm back full time with the wine again. And we're walking through a bit of an orchard here at the moment. Yes, so we've got cherries and plums and, um, you know, those those chestnuts that that you see roasting on the streets in in London. (laughs) That remind me of Charles Dickens. I've actually got some quite extensive cherry orchards next door, but this is, yeah, apricots and stuff I like to eat, and I make jam at Christmas time. And I've got a veggie garden over there. Everything's organic here, and uh, you can hear the birds enjoying themselves as a result. The plan of the property here, the orchards, the choice of the trees, is that you? Yes. Um, this was originally a government farm. It was one of those experimental farms where they were trying to work out what crops work in central Otago and what don't. So we still maintain some of those crops, including lavender. And up the hill there I have a lavender still. We make organic lavender oil. And um, I like to bathe in, uh, (laughs) like Cleopatra, with lavender water in my bath water. Yeah. (laughs) And... uh, we, we grow a lot of our own stuff here. We're not vegans, um, and I have I have some sheep and some cattle. The main job with the cattle is actually all I have to do is poo because we're very caught up with soil science here. Some good manure goes a long way when you're working on producing sustainable, rich soils. Do you make brews out of the poo? That's a question for Mike. Mike... Our cow manure, do we just put it straight on or do we make nice nice poo mixes? Uh, so one of the cow composts that we make, we use eggshells from the chickens, crush them up into a flour, mix them with the cow manure and basalt rock dust for the silica. So you've got calcium, silica and nitrogen. Uh, but we bury that just in a shallow pit and we, um, 
we either use bacteria or fungi to break that down or we use worms as well but you know we're just using those core ingredients to to make a nutritious soil uh, conditioner yeah sounds delicious yeah <laughs> that's the key sam what is happening on the vineyard at the moment well we're i think five or six days away from flowering so it's always an unpredictable time of the year we want ideally um, a nice dry spell so that uh, uh, we don't get any problem flowering that's, that's about a two-week period it's a scary but kind of scary in a nice way time of the year and ideally we'd like things to stay dry but there's no guarantees you know mother nature is a fickle creature and we're always sailing close to the wind that's the thing about growing wine in a cool climate you've got to roll with the punches and uh, and do what you can to mitigate and uh, prepare for those ups and downs and what's the best time for you to be on the vineyard what do you enjoy most Look, it's a pretty much anything apart from dead mid midwinter. You know, there, there's that little little period. It's before you can ski, and but it's after vintage, and there's nothing much going on, and we're just um, we're just doing a bit of pruning, and and things things are fairly fairly dull. I that's when I tend to think. Um, yeah, nice job in uh, somewhere like Spain would be a good idea right now. I don't prune myself. I leave that to Mike and his, his guys. And how involved do you actually get in the process? I'm as Apart from the drinking, I guess, yeah. <laughs> and the tasting. The drinking and the tasting is very important. Um, uh, look, I think the farming side of wine is, is what excites me the most. But um, obviously I'm, I'm the most used when it comes to marketing and that kind of thing, I suppose. And there is that sort of thing. Although... There's much less need for that now because we're very established. We're on our 25th vintage. Um, our brand is very well recognised. I do make appearances at trade shows because our distributors like that when you turn up. <laughs> so I like to show willing. But, you know, we sell out every year. That can be problematic in terms of cash flow, but... You know, there are worse problems than, than being sold out, I can tell you that. I guess I want to know, do you actually get your hands dirty here? How much do I get my hands dirty, Mike? Let's be honest. <laughs> Mike's <laughs> laughing over here. Put them to work, that's for sure. Do you? Yeah, so uh, uh, he's, he's always in there with a, a bucket and a pair of snips over harvest at some point, I'm sure. Yeah. I'm just establishing a new garden, so I'm very involved in my gardening at the moment which I absolutely love so there's always a lot of things going on it's not a monoculture here it's not like one of those places you go and all you can see is vines to the horizon we've got a lot of different things going on here we've got black-faced sheep I sort of inherited that proclivity from my father who loved his suffix we have cattle as I as I say and I've got a couple of pigs up there you might like to meet love to there's some ducks who might like to make an appearance they always like to be on radio. <laughs> Shall we wander up? Let's do it. This is real central Otago country. I mean, we're physically about as far away from the sea as you can be in New Zealand. So surrounding us are those bare Otago hills, and we like to keep it that way. I'm very involved in 
the business of keeping wilding pines down. And I think more and more people in, in uh, central Otago subscribe to that now. Down that way is Dunedin, where I grew up. And over that way is Nirvana for me. That's, you know, Fiordland and so on, which when I was growing up, there used to be a map at school that had a big area that, that said unexplored, <laughs> which is kind of a wonderful idea, really. Of course, it's explored. Pinot Noir is a real passion of yours. How did that come about? My family was in wine spirits for 150 years, you know, and there's a long family tradition that goes with wine, with booze in general, I suppose. <laughs> and, but my particular interest in Pinot Noir actually started with uh, another friend and mentor, James Mason, who introduced me to Burgundy in 1979. I'd never drunk anything like this. I'd, you know, he opened this great bottle. It was at Charlie Chaplin's favourite restaurant, oddly enough. And uh, it was like nothing I'd ever tasted before. I asked him what it was, and he said, this is Burgundy, my boy. Don't forget it. It was about 14 years after that I planted my first grapes here in Pinot Noir because Rolf Mills and, um, you know, one, two others down here had established that Pinot Noir flourished here in what was already my favourite part of the world. This is where I live, and, and the idea that I could grow my favourite wine in my favourite place was just such a lovely idea that I could, couldn't resist it. We're looking out over a lake at the moment. This is our dam. It's probably, I don't know, what do you think, a couple of acres? Um, this was established before I got here. These are Peking ducks, mm -hmm. so I, I, I go, mm-mm, crispy when, when I walk past. <laughs> and, and they hardly flinch because they know I'm a softy. No, they're, they're all my pets and I, I, I love them. That's Kylie Minogue there and Magda Shabansky and Jane Kennedy is the other one. Does she like having a duck named after her? Does she know I, she has I a duck named after her? You know, I, yeah, all sorts of people have had things named after them. I, I haven't had any blowback from that. There's been one or two unfortunate incidents. Hugo Weaving, who was a ram of mine, died on the job. He just fell off the back of a ewe one day. And um, <laughs> he had to, we had to find a replacement for Hugo. Uh, I've got a nice little female Cooney Cooney who's called Brian, called after Brian Brown. Angelica isn't confused. He's, he's fathered quite a number of um, little piglets. Yeah. Oh, and here's Brian. Very excited Brian's to see Brian's at us. the gate. He's waiting. Has he been fed this morning? Brian, oh, she. Brian's I'm sorry. Yeah. Just, let's get this right. <laughs> so has she been fed? And is that Angelica there? That's Angelica. She is mag he is magnificent. Oh dear old boys, he's still there. Oh, I'm happy to see you too. We've been friends for 15 years now. And um, we have no secrets from each other. 
We sit down and have a chat in the sun. Oh, that's good as it. Let's see some of the native plantings, shall we? Gosh, we're getting a magnificent view right around the basin here. And you've got vineyards in three different valleys in the yeah. region. Yeah, substantially, Central Otago has three big valleys. You've got the Alexandra Basin, the Cromwell Basin, and uh, then Gibson Valley. So we're right in the middle of the Alex Basin here. And we can see as far as St. Bathans, those blue remem remembered hills over there. Graham Sidney's probably painting something over there as we speak. <laughs> and you can see Arpino across that hillside there, just behind these trees is, is uh, our first Riesling paddock. And then down by the gates is the more recent Riesling. Does the wine come from single vineyards or is it being blended? We do both. Uh, we'll make a two paddocks blend. We balance our different vineyards against each other. And then in, in a particular year, if one vineyard speaks to us and says, I've had a really good time <laughs> this year, we'll make a very limited single vineyard from, from that 150 cases perhaps. What characteristics does the geology of this land bring to your wine? Well, first of all, it's climate, and then it's soil. Nick Mills over at Ripon, he's a big believer in schist soils. You know how schist glints in the sun? And he thinks that perhaps that contributes to that special thing that Central Otago has. But that's, that's a question for Mike as well. He's the, he's the guy with his hands in the soil. Yeah, that's a good question. So that... What we are here down here, we're in quite a, a basin, so uh, these soils can be a little bit heavier than some of our other sites. So Bannerburn and Gibson are, are more on terraces, uh, which are more schist-orientated, where this is sort of glacial outwash uh, with, with loam over the top, so it's a bit more grunty. But the schist soils definitely are the ones that produce probably our top wines, uh, and they can, can be quite raw, so there's, there's virtually no topsoil to them. Um, so it's a real challenge there to try and make sure we got the right cover crop mix and we're, and, and we're producing uh, enough nutrient via that to be able to feed the plants sustainably. Building soil, making sure the soil's lively and, and, and cycling and then the vines will do well and the fruit will be complex. And what are the advantages of having several different vineyards around here in the three different valleys? Um, definitely one of the advantages is that the growth stages are always different so we can move our gang of, of employees from one vineyard to the next and, and they're all at different stages so by the time we get round to Gibson which is the, the latest of the sites we're getting back to the Alexandra vineyards which tend to be the, the first ones to tee off so uh, it's, it's a nice cycle to be able to move from block to block and just get everything done um, and yeah they, yeah they all throw up their different challenges and you know, if we get hail in Alexandra, we don't get it in Bannockburn. If we get a bad frost in Gibson, we don't get it in Bannockburn. But... The last two or three years, we've planted about four or 5,000 natives, because I'm devoted to native birds. This season, it's been so vigorous. And I've never seen the place look so green, and Mike and all his guys have done a fantastic job. 
it's so rewarding to come home. I love it. So you will eventually come home for good? No, I, I love acting too much to, to, to go, I'm retired. That's never going to happen. And, and the balance of, my, of that life against my rural life is such that I would never want to unbalance one against the other. One offsets the other. One, one kind of mitigates the other. One, one enhances the other. It's a double life, if you like, but it's a, it's a very rewarding one. It's a very rich life. I'm very grateful. What does the world know about New Zealand wine in general? Because you're mixing with the high flyers. Do they know that New Zealand is a great wine producer? I think there's more and more awareness around the world about New Zealand as, as, as a wine-producing nation. Uh, I, and I've, I've just been involved in a, a little sort of mini-film about, about wine in New Zealand. I suppose I have a sort of informal role as a kind of... <laughs> you know, semi-ambassador for New Zealand wine abroad. And, I, yeah, I enjoy that. It's uh, part of my function, I suppose, yeah. And there are some high-profile vineyard proprietors around here that must all help with the marketing of central Otago wines in particular. The, the one thing that I, I'm very sort of hypersensitive to is when, <laughs> when people call my wine celebrity wines, like I'm... You know, I'm Olivia Newton-John and I put my name on a label. It's never been that. I've been deeply involved in what we do here since day one and fully committed to what we do. And it's not nothing to do with my profile, really. It's to do with the work and the, the people I have working with me, like Mike and Jackie here. And Dean Shaw, my winemaker, obviously, he's very involved with Mike. They come and wander around the place and mutter things at each other that uh, above and beyond me. He knows all four vineyards intimately. Lovely sound. Good, good, good. Two paddocks Pinot Noir 2021. 25th vintage. 25th vintage, yeah. That quarter, must be a good feeling. A quarter century on the board. That's a really good example of Central Otago and what we do. Look, it's a, it's a balance of Gibson, Bannerburn and Alexandra and all these strengths that go into it. So we're getting a little bit of forest floor, there's some 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 ripe fruit there. It's it's brooding a little bit. Um, uh, lovely t- integrated tannin profile uh, with, a, with some great length and good finish. I think we're well prepared for the future. Um, I'm touching wood now, of course. I'm touching a used wine barrel. <laughs> we like to taste our wine out. Um, everything uh, the 22 is still in the barrel, and that's looking wonderful. We're all a team, and we all know where we're going, and um, we're brimming with confidence. But then again, we're New Zealanders, so we're not full of ourselves, OK? <laughs> so Sam Neill and Mike Wing on Red Bank Vineyard in central Otago. That feature from our archive was first broadcast in December last year. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.